It is the 13th of February, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I am honored that you are here with me as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together, and we are nearing the end of this great book of Exodus. Today, chapter 35, verse 10 through chapter 36, verse 38. As always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Exodus chapter 35, verse 10. Come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its sacred tent, its coverings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. The ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, the place of atonement, the inner curtain to shield the ark, the table, its carrying poles, and all its utensils, the bread of the presence for light, the lampstand, its accessories, the lamp cups, and the olive oil for lighting the incense altar and its carrying poles, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering, the bronze grafting of the altar and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin with its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs of the tabernacle in the courtyard, and their ropes. The beautifully stitched garments for the priests to wear while ministering to, in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they ministered as priest. I want to pause here because I just had a thought uh, for the first time. I always am reading these texts for the first time with you guys. I'm just kind of inviting you into my personal reading. Uh, And I'm just kind of struck right now by the practical nature of uh, the Bible. The Lord has given his people a checklist, you know, make sure these things are done. For the people who this text would have originally been written to, this wasn't a boring list. It was, God has asked us to do, to do this, and so we ought to get it done. And this wasn't just something that, oh, yeah, 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 there, there, there's that text over there. No, it was like, this This is alive. This needs to be done because God has commanded us to do it. And uh, so often, even with texts that are clearly commands for us as followers of Christ Jesus to live out, you know, like, love your enemies. Oh, yeah, 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 that's cool. That's a great text. But what if we took it like um, like these people here in Exodus did? Like, it, not just something that God had said, but it was something that God had commanded us to do. And through the power of Jesus Christ, we actually took it serious enough to, to live it out, as they did when they were building this tabernacle. I don't know. Interesting. Verse 20, so the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. I love how it keeps saying that. Uh, you know, it's it's showing us that the reason they gave of their time, their possessions, their skills was not because they had to, but because their heart was stirred. It was an act of worship that they gave. Uh, so often, even in my own faith journey, there's been times where I was giving because like, oh, this is obligation. Uh, but those times where giving in generosity, not just with money, but with everything has truly been sweet for me, uh, are those times when I was, I was moved to do so out of worship. I was amazed at what God was doing in my midst, and I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, anyways, let's let's keep reading. Verse twenty-two. I promise I won't stop every other verse. This is just uh, this has been a good reading so far. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers, and necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. 
All those who owned the following items willingly brought them. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth, and tanned ram skins and fine goatskin leather. And all who had silver and bronze objects gave them as a sacred offering to the Lord, and those who had Acadia wood brought it for use in the project. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were willing used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. The leaders brought onyx stones and special gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest chest piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord, had given them through Moses, brought their gifts, and gave them freely to the Lord. Then Moses told the people of Israel, The Lord has specifically chosen Baziel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bezaziel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft, and the Lord has given both him and Oliava, son of Amishamech of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. Moving into chapter 36, verse 1. The Lord has gifted Beziel, Ohileb, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and the ability to perform any task involved in the building of the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bezebel and Oliabai and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, The people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. That's something I'm betting you've never heard a pastor say. As a church planner, I've never said that. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts. <laughs> we have enough. And yet, can you imagine the day uh, if, if we all gave of what we had? And I, again, I'm not just talking financially, but we see in here skills, gifts, everything. If the church, if the people of Christ, the people who had been bought by the blood of Jesus into the family of God were to give freely out of worship of all that they had, how cool it would be if uh, we were able to what, just think of what we would be able to do the, the amount of mouths we would feed the thirsty that would drink the hungry that would eat the orphans that would have a home men and women we have enough that's a beautiful act of worship verse 8 the skilled craftsmen made ten curtains of finely woven linen for the tabernacle then Beziziel decorated the curtains with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim all ten curtains were exactly the same size, 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. Five of these curtains were joined together to make one long curtain, and the other five were joined to make a second long curtain. He made 50 loops of blue yarn and put them along the edge of the last curtain in each set. 
the 50 loops along the edge of one curtain matched the 50 loops along the edge of the other curtain. Then he made 50 gold clasp and fastened the long curtains together with the clasp. In this way, the tabernacle was made of one continuous piece. He made 11 curtains of goat hair cloth to serve as a tent covering for the tabernacle. These 11 curtains were all exactly the same size, 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. Beziel joined five of these curtains together to make one long curtain, and the other six were joined to make a second long curtain. He made 50 loops for the edge of each large curtain. He also made 50 bronze clasps to fasten the long curtains together. In this way, the tent covering was made of one continuous piece. He completed the tent covering with a layer of tanned ram skins and a layer of fine goat skin leather. For the framework of the tabernacle, Baziel constructed frames of Acadia wood. Each frame was 15 feet high and 27 inches wide, with two pegs under each frame. All the frames were identical. He made 20 of these frames to support the curtains on the south side of the tabernacle. He also made 40 silver basins, two bases under each frame, with the pegs fitting securely into the bases. For the north side of the tabernacle, he made another 20 frames with their 40 silver bases, two bases under each frame. He made six frames for the rear, the west side of the tabernacle, along with two additional frames to reinforce the rear corners of the tabernacle. These corner frames were matched at the bottom and firmly attached at the top with a single ring, forming a singular corner unit. Both of these corner units were made the same way. So there were eight frames at the rear of the tabernacle, set in 16 silver bases, two bases under each frame. Then he made crossbars of Acadia wood to link the frames, five crossbars for the north side of the tabernacle, and five for the south side. He also made five crossbars for the rear of the tabernacle, which faced west. He made the middle crossbar to attach halfway up the frames. It ran all the way from one end of the tabernacle to the other. He overlaid the frames with gold and made gold rings to hold the crossbars. Then he overlaid the crossbars with gold as well. For the inside of the tabernacle, Bezibel made a special curtain of finely woven linen. He decorated it with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim. For the curtain, he made four posts of Acadia wood and four gold hooks. He overlaid the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. Then he made another curtain for the entrance to the sacred tent. He made it of finely woven linen and embroidered it with exquisite design using blue, purple, and scarlet thread. This curtain was hung on gold hooks attached to five posts. The posts with the decorated tops and hooks were overlaid with gold and the five bases were cast from bronze. And that, my friends, concludes our Old Testament reading. Moving into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 27, verses 32 through 66. And we're back into the riveting story that is the gospel climax. And uh, today we read of the crucifixion. And I just want to ask uh, that as you're driving or listening or following along as you are reading, um, to take a breath and to truly focus on these words, to hear them afresh. Uh, a story in which our faith is built upon, and yet we can um, think of a lot of things when we think of our faith and forget that it is through the crucifixion, it is through the cross that it all makes sense. So hear these words. Feel the feelings that come as we hear about our Savior, pure Christian, with me, uh, our King being crucified for our sins so that we might be made right with God. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. 
Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, but when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said this man truly was the Son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. and They told him, Sir, we remember that deceiver once said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. 
Pilate replied, Take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. And that concludes our New Testament reading. Powerful, powerful story that we just read. Um, isn't it interesting that uh, you know at the beginning of what we are reading today uh, in the New Testament, verse 39, it says, if, if he's the Son of God, save yourself, and, and then we'll believe you. But it was actually after he died that they believed. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. It's through his death that I said earlier, our, our faith makes sense. Um, the moment he died, the temple uh, curtain was torn. What does that represent? Well, the curtain kept people from God. There was a separation because sinful people can't be in the presence of a holy God. And when Jesus died, he paid for the sins of the world. He paid for your sins, the sin you committed yesterday and the sin you'll commit tomorrow. Uh, it's all paid for. His blood is atoned for it. And so if you trust in him, if you repent from your life, you say, I'm no longer the king or queen of my own life, but I believe in Jesus. I'm walking away from that life and I'm walking into the kingdom life. I trust that what he said was true and what he did was true. If you truly trust that, you walk into that, then his sacrifice counts for you in that moment. There's no sin that can take away that sacrifice. It is finished in that moment. The veil is torn. The gap between heaven and earth is, is now made up for. And all who trust in Jesus can be in the presence of God. Right now, we are in the presence of God, my friends. If you believe in Jesus, you are one of his, his children, God's children, through the blood of Jesus. You've been adopted into the family. Then then you are in the presence of God. You can pray to him. As we read his word, we, we don't read it just with human hearts. We read it with hearts of spirit. Why? Because Jesus atoned. He made a way for us to be in the presence of God. And his death unlocks life. It says as soon as he dies, godly people rose from the dead. See, because the only people who deserve life are those who live righteous and blameless lives. And there's only one who's done that named Jesus. All else deserve death because of sin. And yet when the one who deserved life gave his life, he gave life to the ones who deserved death, those who trust in Jesus. And by the way, Christian brother, Christian sister, that is our hope. Yes, while we mourn the loss uh, that still happens in this world, and while we likely will die unless Jesus comes back as king before then, we are no longer bound by death. We believe that one day when Jesus returns, we will join in his resurrection. And because he gave his life, though we deserve death, we will be given eternal life. This is the gospel. This is what makes all else scripture make sense. And I know I'm taking a lot longer today. I usually don't add this much commentary, but one, I feel a little bit like preaching. And number two, this is good news. And it's why I do this podcast. If you don't believe, you just want to hear the scriptures read, then fast forward to these parts. But I can't help but to open my mouth about it because I once was lost now I've been found. I once was blind and now I see. And my only prayer and hope is that you would also, my friend, trust in him, repent from your sin, and believe in him as your savior. Let's move on to our proverb of the day. Proverbs chapter 9 verses 7 and 8. Proverbs 9 verse 7. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct the wise and they will love you. Moving on to our psalm of the day. This is the 34th psalm. It's verses 1 through 10, and we'll be reading it in a posture of prayer. A psalm of David regarding the time he pretended to be insane in front of Amimelech, who sent him away. Verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Yes, Lord, 
Lord, help me be the person who, in everything that I say and everything I do, I'm praising you and what you've done. Lord, I, I can't help but to share of the good news and the gospel because of what it's done for me. And I want to be that person who praises you in all of life. Verse 2. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take great heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, yes, Lord. My prayer would be that those listening to my voice right now would, as they hear the gospel today, not be able to contain it, that they would share it with somebody else, that they would share the glorious news that counts for them as well. Let us be a people spread across the United States or maybe even the world uh, that are exalting your name together today. Verse 4. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Lord, thank you that you you hear me. You listen to me. And Lord, when I trust in you, my fears go away. When I remember how big you are, my problems seem awfully small. Verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all that they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Oh God, I've seen this to be true in my life. Thank you. Thank you that I can say through Jesus I lack no good thing. Pray that my listeners and myself today would taste and see that you are good. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading, friends. Hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Otherwise, you got to hear me rambling a lot, and you're like, man, this guy's way too excited about it. But sometimes I just can't help it, and uh, I'd love to hear what stood out to you as well. Well, that does it for today, but I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.